Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Adam. I'm Chris. Uh, and we are here this evening to discuss, as promised, uh, Spider Baby in honour of the passing of uh, the amazing Sid Haig. Mm. R.I.P. Sid. Yeah. Um, I'm becoming a fan. A bit too late. But. Yeah. Oh, and he's got a, he's got a fantastic body of work. So there's loads of stuff to go through. Very diverse as well, yeah. not purely horror. I'm surprised. I really thought you were just going to say he's got a fantastic yeah, body. That's what I thought, especially because yeah. of the way he acts in this. Yeah, it's well, quite yeah. body <laughs> oriented. Yeah. yeah, like his movements. Yeah. Like, he is really. I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but before really we get into this, uh, we've got a couple of interesting announcements to make. Ooh. Um, and then we will do our usual shooting of the ship before we kick off. Um, so. Uh, we've been discussing recently scheduling, as I'm sure we've mentioned on previous episodes. It's been a bit of a an issue recently with Love our a bit of scheduling, our busy schedules. Yeah. Um, so we have decided uh, that what we are going to do, uh, at least until January, uh, we've got a new plan for January. But currently, our plan is that we are going to do the Skype episodes uh, as we did on the bonus episode last week, as that was our test. Um, and we're all together this evening, but moving forward, what we're going to be doing is we're all going to be Skyping in, watching the film individually and Skyping in. Uh, so the sound quality, as we know, might not be as good, uh, but we are going to make up for that by launching a YouTube channel. Um, because we have to have the video on anyway so that we can all see each other and we're less likely to talk make over sure we're each not other. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I don't or know if I guarantee that, yeah. Um, but yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to put up the audio file on SoundCloud and on the website as we normally do. Uh, but in addition to that, there will also be the YouTube videos, which is not going to be very exciting. It's just going to be all of our stupid faces as we Skype. I have no doubt that Adam will make it exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> I've certainly got a lovely hat. Oh, God. Just thinking about it, so yeah, that'll be. See, now this was a problem with the last one we did. I was like, all right, I haven't got to do anything. Nobody's coming around. I'm not leaving the house. Just going to sit and Skype. And then Adam put pictures up, and I hadn't done my hair. I, I looked vaguely pissed off. You looked lovely. I hadn't done my hair. You were concentrating. I, <laughs> and can I just say, you you are a, a very moving person. Not in, not in the sense that, well, I mean, you, I don't know, you can emote. You yes. know, you can hit the back row, but uh, no, it's just, that was literally, I kept sort of screenshotting as we were going. Oh, and I didn't L sit still. That was literally <laughs> like the the best where it was like, it doesn't look like like a dodgy Polaroid of Bawley Rectory. You know? this, this is the problem. <laughs> My webcam, which I won't be using for the uh, for the uh, recordings that we'll be doing moving forward, uh, yeah, is a little bit crap. And I'm a real fidgeter, so that's the problem. I don't sit still long enough, so I'm just a <laughs> constant multicoloured blur. So, um, but yeah, so that's our plan moving forward for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, I don't feel that you obviously have to go and watch us if you listen normally, but we just thought as the video is sitting there anyway, mm -hmm. um, it'd be daft not to uh, to start a YouTube channel, mm. really. Well, to exploit it, exactly. You know. And obviously, the good thing is, is that on the YouTube channel, we can show you things such as uh, the dungeon where we keep Chris <laughs> in between episodes. It's, it's a lovely dungeon. Yeah, 
<laughs> and in, in fact, we've got you on, on loan to a different dungeon, which is why we're having a Skype <laughs> these days. You know, I mean, obviously, obviously myself with the with my work in the West End and my brain surgeon business, <laughs> you know, Lee's an international crime fighter and uh, uh, racing jockey. <laughs> <laughs> God. I don't mind which dungeon I'm in as long as Uncle Ned's there. <laughs> oh yes, he will be. He'll be there. Um, so, so what initially started the raise the thought of Adam nearly falling off the How chair. far does this chair go? And that it, kept that kept going. It does keep. Whoa! This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good for if you sleep in it. Yeah. Um, so just to explain, the, literally that has just made the point I was about to make, which is the reason I thought we should probably put the video up yeah. is because there's going to be a lot of, what are you doing that face for? And why are you doing that? Why have you taken your tits out? So I yes. thought if all that's going to be going on, it'd be rude to talk about things that the listeners can't see. So we should probably share it. And you nearly falling off the chair would have been a perfect example. Oh, well, of I'll, I'll, I'll try and recreate that on the Skype. Then I'll get... <laughs> You're going to borrow the chair. I'll, no, I'll just, get, I'll just get Claire to um, cut partially through one of the chair legs. <laughs> Don't tell me which one and we'll rush and roulette it. And then one week I'll just... <laughs> Either fall backwards or fall forward and smash your face in on the desk. Yeah, nice. and, then, and then there's blood. You know, true that's horror. what you know. True horror. Mm -hmm. That's what people want to see. It's exciting. You know, not only that, but also it's quite good for when you know we start suggesting things like, Lee, why are you wearing a monocle? <laughs> I mean, he's wearing one today, but you don't know. <laughs> you know, and he'll deny it. I'm going to have to uh, do every episode in a different room of the house, try and keep it all exciting, so you mm. always get a different backdrop. Oh, you're sexy. I might I might start uh, just going to um, McDonald's. They've got Wi-Fi. <laughs> just be in there, and you can hear people, like, you know, chatting, and sort of shouting about, and has anyone seen my fries? I don't know. That's probably what they say in McDonald's. <laughs> usually got me walking on. Actually, I've usually gone through the drive-thru, but I go through in Claire's wheelchair, which is, you know, sick but happening. <laughs> Right, let's get on with something. Um, so, Chris, turning on you, I know you've been a busy man, as we've previously alluded to, but have you watched anything? Well, I, I have. Ooh. So I, I took you up on the challenge that I wouldn't be able to catch up on American Horror. And I haven't caught up on American Horror, <laughs> but I have watched two episodes. That's a good start. Of, the, good. of which season? Uh, so I'm, I'm coming to the end. I must be coming to the end of season one. That's I, right. I think I'm on, I think yeah. I'm on episode nine it might have been yeah i think it's 12 episodes is it yeah. Oh, okay. isn't it yeah. yeah yeah so yeah it's um it's very yeah, like dystopian it's bad for everyone i can't work out who is who you're meant to like who's the goody who's the baddie i'd like do you remember am i am i just going no mad? no have i watched the wrong thing no because I, I remember because i I started the wrong well, no, no, I start I started watching American Horror Story when they showed it on channel five. Mm -hmm. I think that's when we both yeah. sort of first watched it. And I kind of abandoned it. And I was like, Oh, I I think I was like three or four episodes in and it was like I just didn't catch it. So this up was season one. This was, was season like, one. Okay. And then Lee was talking about it and he said and at this point, no one had made it clear that it was going to be anything. No one made it clear that there was going to be an anthology series, mm. that it'd be a different yeah, yeah. story each year. So Lee got to the end and just went. And then I said, oh, and said, oh, no, it was really good. And I was like, yeah, I'll probably catch up if I get a chance or mm. whatever like that. And then I said, oh, they're doing an American Horror Story, too, like in passing. And Lee was just like, 
how? how? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> it kind of concludes, yeah, you know. Okay. And yeah, so it then became clear. And then actually it was um, it's when they did Freak Show, oddly enough, which isn't one of the best ones, but I watched... That was the first series that I watched and completed and then went back on myself and watched oh, one, really? two, and three, yeah. Mm. But yeah, um, so... But no, that first series, yeah, you will get to the point of like... Because like I say, Lee, Lee was just like... It, literally, it was just how. I don't know how they are going to make a second <laughs> series because it concludes. And that's, But that's what I like about it is the fact that they do a... 12 or 13 episode story arc mm. it has a an end to it definitively mm-hmm. and then it starts a new one and the fact the genres that they jump around between as I say obviously some of the seasons I've said before didn't work for me and I wasn't mm. a fan of but I guess that's it they're trying different things exactly and, and some of it will work and some of it won't mm. and you know I've, I've never not watched to the end of a season so they can't yeah. be that bad yeah, but so he's, he's definitely feeling very miserable at the moment. The, um, the psychologist is just, you know, he's, he was blaming his wife for her being raped, and it's like, yeah, you're all you're all terrible people. But yeah, so I'll see I'll see how it actually ends. Yeah, well, I mean, and then that that eventually does get revisited. Mm, yes. Okay. Um, in, uh, I mean, I won't spoil it for you, but in Apocalypse, they revisit it. I think they, they do. They, and actually, one of the characters in that turns up in Hotel, mm-hmm. Sarah Paulson's character, who's not really in it that much. She's just a friend of uh, Jessica Lang, isn't she? Oh, like, I can't even or she's like that. a real estate agent or something like that. She's not like in it. I think she's in like one episode and then mm. she's really the big star. Her big starring role was first in uh series two yeah mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so i need to go back and uh check those out myself actually at some point i'm so i'm on the latest season and i'm again i'm up to date still mm. so i've just watched the white lady lady in white lady in white episode uh which is episode seven possibly okay yeah um, i think it's seven they're up to now yeah and it's it, it's it's still working it did reach a it reached a point at the end of episode six where it finished and jennifer genuinely thought that, that was That's the end of it, it. Mm. and i was like no there's still half a season she was like well, what, what how what? Oh, so they've, they've kind of double bluffed it again have they yes because they did because that's kind of you get that in apocalypse where it's like they get to a, they get to a conclusion point sort of midway or like a, a major point midway through the season mm. And then go back and explain everything that happened before the season started. Yeah. Oh no. So this is a, it's con- continuation of the story, but it was just the end of the episode felt a bit like they'd concluded everything right. that had happened, and they'd explained everything, and you're like, well, where are you going to go with it now? And then it just continues to roll from there. But it's, mm. it's doing a very good job. So it's well worth your time. So well done, Chris. Yeah. Adam. I have watched Bugger All and I hate myself for it. How was it? Oh, it was... I'll tell you what. Do you know what? I watched Bugger All. And, and what oh, happened? Very little. They're not moving it on at all. You know, I think the trouble is it becomes very samey mm-hmm. at the end. You know, and, and, you know, I've tried watching Bugger All. I've tried watching Paint Dry. You know, and they're very similar, really. Um, I've watched Grass Grow. That wasn't too bad. It's got lovely sound effects, but yeah. Um, now I've watched Bugger All. I've watched the. I've literally watched the trailer for Colour Out of Space, oh, which so I am I. very excited about. Now, former guest Darnie did message me and say it's good, but don't get too excited. And I was yeah. like, no, I always 
I always try and be tempered on these things. Yeah. I even if it's sort of even if it's just moderately good, hmm. as long as it sort of gets Richard Stanley back making films, I'm happy. Oh, yeah, I, that I'm very happy about because um, Richard Stanley, who's directing it, did Hardware and Dust Devil back in the 90s. Then he tried to make the film The Island of Dr. Morrow, got slung off, mostly hmm. because Val Kilmer's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually that that is something well worth tracking down is if you ever see there's a documentary called Lost Souls which is about the nightmare of making the film The Island of Dr. Morrow with uh, Marlon Brando okay and uh, yeah Richard Stanley was originally attached as director um, and then basically he got thrown off it um, and he dealt with that with the, in possibly the most stylish way possible which was to then go upstream from where they were filming it in Australia, uh, get stoned out of his bloody head, and then complain in bars that Val Kilmer had fucked his career. <laughs> uh, messages mm. finally got back to the set that Richard Stanley was still around because everyone on the set was kind of felt sorry for him, and uh, and were like sort of like, oh, this is a poor show because now we've got another director coming in who's sort of like having to toe the studio line and everything else, and. Um, Richard Stanley was smuggled back in disguised as one of the monsters <laughs> and is actually on camera in the film. And <laughs> and I believe he actually did get to meet Marlon Brando and sort of like apologise to him. And Marlon Brando was like, oh, well, you know, it's a couple of weeks in the sun. And, I've... and Marlon Brando, because of what happened to Richard Stanley, just fucked with them. And he was like, <laughs> I, I think what he would, he would want a bucket of ice on his head. Yeah, so get me that. And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, so that's why that film just gets extraordinarily mental. But mm-hmm. the, the the film, the the documentary on it, Lost Souls, is astounding because it is just like the ultimate story of a nightmare for someone making a film. Mm. See, I've heard more about. I didn't know there was a remake until I heard about the documentary, and I've heard about half a dozen people talk about the documentary. Yeah, I've never heard anybody talk about the remake because I've got the original. I've got a feeling you bought it for me on Blu-ray. Island of Lost Souls, the one with... No, um, uh, the original with Island of Dr. Burt Moreau. Lancaster. Yes. Yes, yes. Which is great. That is, very, that is very good. Well, the, I mean, the 90s one was entertaining. And if anything else, Marlon Brando's character in it is the inspiration for Dr. Mephisto in um, South Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it does have a cultural significance mm-hmm. in so much as, yeah, it, crea- it created the man who invented the four-assed monkey. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, when you watch that, there's... Because um, uh, I think it's Deep Roy's in it, who is famously, like, in lots of... I think I think it's Deep Roy, um, who is uh, a... A, a little person or mm. however the term would be and he basically plays like a, one of the sort of background monsters in mm. the thing and Marlon Brando became obsessed with him and he was like I think he'd be really good as my partner mm. and he can sit next to me and uh, he'll dress the same as me and, <laughs> and that's why Kevin is in South Park. You know, his little assistant who looks mm, like yeah. him. Yeah, he's based on this guy who's it. And it's there's even bits in... He's like he's like sort of Morrow's mini-me. Yeah, he, I was going to say he also, he also... with You know the bit in Austin Powers where he's playing the piano and mini-me's on the piano playing a little piano? Yeah. That is from The Island of Dr. Morrow, where Morrow is playing the piano and this little guy is up there playing the piano. And it's like... 
So this film that's kind of like a famous, famous as a disaster, and like you say, mm-hmm. with a documentary that's probably more famous now than the film, mm. it's certainly be- more worth watching. Yeah, you know, has created all these things like Mini Me and Mephisto and Kevin and all these just loads of comedy because I think that was what it was. It's just mostly comedy people watched it and it was like having that because yeah. yeah. this is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, they it's you know I mean the film's not bad but it, yeah the the documentary is incredible. But Richard Stanley's this is his first film since then and this was like I think Doctor Morrow's ninety six mm-hmm. so it's a long long time. He's been doing documentaries and stuff yeah. but he's yeah, this is his first film back, and I did notice in the trailer someone has written on their wall, No Flesh is Spared, Yes, which is a reference to hardware. In hardware, the robot is called... And actually, this relates to um, uh, American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Dylan McDermott, who is the dad in the first series of American Horror Story mm. and various other roles as it's been going on, um, he is the main character in hardware, at the time, he was reading the Bible, and the robot in it, the Mark 13, mm. he said to him, do you know that the biblical passage, Mark 13, 20, is no flesh shall be spared? And Richard Stanley was like, right, that's we're having that. You know, this is de- definitely, right, I want that. That's going, And it becomes a biblical quote. It's like quoted at the start of the film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's referenced in it all the way through, and it was just, and it was just an accident. They just had the Mark 13, because it's unlucky. You know, and then sort of Richard Stanley's very heavily into occultism and things like that, and so a lot of that really runs through. Mm. So when something like that comes up, it's like that's ding ding ding, right? Yeah. We're having that. And um, I've just made a note to rewatch Hardware. Yeah, um, I've not seen it in a very long time, and I remember it being fantastic. I remember it being one of those films as a kid that the trailer was out a lot when you used to rent videos. The trailer for yeah. it was always on. Oh, yeah, and it was just one of the most exciting films I was desperate to ever see. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if it was another one that I saw the cover of. You yeah. may have done, because it was kind of a bit Terminator-looking yeah, okay. cover, wasn't it? I'm currently searching the shelves for it, but I've got the German cover. Oh, yeah, so because yeah, I think it'll be... It's called Mark yeah, 13. Mark 13, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's... Mm. Yeah. Uh, that is the, the one that... Adam, you gave me when you yes, because I, I upgraded Blu-ray. when they finally released it, like on uh, UK DVD. Hmm. I'm tempted. I've, I've been tempted several times by there's various Blu-rays that have come out, but apparently none of them are much cop in transfer, so oh, it really? seems That's a bit a pointless. You yeah, know. yeah. Um, but they, um, but yeah, it's definitely looks like I should have watched it. Yeah, it's I, a fantastic. You film. may you may even watch it and just go, oh yeah, I did. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's just one. It's just one of those sort of ones. But it's, I mean, that has that is cameoed to fuck as well. There's so mm. many people in it. Lemmy from Motorheads in it. Mm. Iggy Pop's the voice of the uh, radio DJ, and there's Guar on the telly, Ministry on the soundtrack. Oh, it's yeah. like it's, right. it's so nineties, but yeah. the good bit of the nineties, like it's just basically cyberpunk yes yeah. yeah and it's and it is actually they ended up having to acknowledge it that it's a story from 2000 AD like a comic strip from 2000 mm. AD oh, called nice. Shock I think it is um, and that was partially the reason why it wasn't available in England for a while because mm. I think there was like a big conflict with them and ah. 2000 AD about look look it's got to be based on our comic yeah. and they were kind of like no but now we've looked at the comic and I do read 2000 AD <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so yeah, I watched also watched the trailer for Color Out of Space, uh, and as you say, I, I had a message from Darnie about it. Um, yeah, and I, I, he did actually uh, message me to see if I wanted to go with him to see it. Mm. Uh, but I think it was like a Thursday night at nine o'clock in central London, and I was like, yeah, yeah I just can't. Do no, it's a pain um, in the ass when they're quite late. But yeah, it, it looks fantastic, so I'm very excited. And to see Tommy that. Chong as a like shaman. Yes. Which I said that I said that to Tony and he said, Isn't that what he is anyway? And it's like, Yeah, I know, but <laughs> you know, in in this he looks like sort of like a nice Al Jurgensen. <laughs> Incidentally, speaking of which, that is something I don't know if it's of interest to our listeners. I did watch a documentary called um Industrial Accident, which is the story of Wax Track Re- Wax Tracks Records. Mm. Uh like the sort of the American label that did like Revolting Cox and Thrill Kill Coal minis- early ministry and stuff yeah. like that and um, yeah that's really really good really really funny and actually has all the main players involved oh, nice. which is a rare for a music documentary but even more so when it's like hang on we're talking about the industrial scene which is a noted scene for shall we say hedonism and <laughs> death wish <laughs> everyone's still alive Wow. Do you know what I mean? You sort of you think about most music scenes is like punk a string of corpses from yeah. here to the moon and you know, it's like and like the industrial scene, it's like, oh no, they're actually all still with us. You know, that's quite <laughs> sort of strange, really. I've got a document documentary queued up, I haven't watched it yet. Uh can't remember what it's called, but it's a documentary on the residents. Oh no so, um, Yes, I've got that. It's a very good. Very yeah. good documentary that is, yeah. Excellent, yes, so I shall be watching that. Um in the meantime I also, have not been watching a lot. I'll admit, I have watched the last ten Treehouse of Horrors, <laughs> uh, so I've gone back and watched all of those because I've got all of them. And of course, this year's one came out, so I watched it. So I'm now working my way back again through them all. What did they do in this year's one? Because I've not seen it. Uh, I can't remember because I watched it and then followed it up with nine others. So I can't. <laughs> so they've remember. sort of blurred a bit. Yeah. 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 No, fair enough. Um, uh, the other thing I watched though that I did want to discuss because I kicking myself so after you guys left uh following the burbs mm-hmm. the other week um i had enjoyed it so much and couldn't find anything quite like it to follow it up with so i started watching it again <laughs> um, and i got about half hour in and then i thought oh no i should go and watch the documentary mm. so i stopped it and put the documentary on instead um yeah and was just like oh my god i so should have watched this before we recorded um, so a couple of things. Had you not watched it? I, I had, but I okay. saw it when I first got the disc mm. about three years ago, so I didn't remember a lot of what happened. I'd completely forgotten, for example, that when... It, so it's not mentioned in the film, it's never referenced, but it makes so much sense once he says it. So Joe Dante, when he was talking to uh, Tom Hanks and describing the character, yeah, what he told him at the time was that Although he's on vacation, that's what you've told your wife. You've actually lost your job. And that's uh, why ah. he's so close to losing his temper all the time. Right. And so not in a good, good and state. So, mm. Yeah, because yeah. he's actually... And why he doesn't want to go away anywhere and spend yeah. any money. Yeah. Um, oh, that, that, yeah, that, that's, that makes a lot more sense, obviously. But fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that they mentioned, I did only get halfway through the documentary, and then I kind of fell asleep on the sofa. Um, uh-huh. The other thing is the original ending, they didn't find yes. skulls or anything. So the original ending was uh, going to be open that mm. maybe they were up to something, maybe they weren't. 
and you didn't actually know. So that, it was, that could have been good. So it was going to be the ending where he basically says, yeah, we're the weirdos. Yeah. yeah. We're the ones who've yeah. fucked with these people. Yeah. And, and it yeah. isn't proved one way or yeah, the no. other. Mm. Um, but yeah, then they did a load of reshoots and put that scene on the end. Um, I'd, I'd imagine that's probably because up I would think up until that point, I'd imagine you can imagine for a test audience that they didn't I, want to be called they, weirdos. Well, no, I think it's much more that they probably just didn't like the ambiguity. That yeah. seems to be that seems to be the, and I think it fucks with a lot of horror. To mm. be honest, that there does seem to be a lot of things where sort of studios will do a test screening or they'll look at it themselves or whatever mm. like that, and they just feel ambigu- like there needs to be a conclusion. Yeah, there needs to be mm. like an ending, and I, I understand. I mean, most of it, you want. You want narrative you want sense, yeah. 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 It's a seductive trap, but I th- but then I think also something. I think stuff needs to be open ended. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, reality you, is open ended. Yeah, and, and why shouldn't you try and well, especially so, that especially when it is some, when it's yeah. something supernatural. Yeah, something. well, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, I, you know, I always go on about it that you probably would never know what yeah. why you were involved in this yeah. thing mm. that happened or whatever. And yeah. yeah, you just see that moment of it. You don't see the backstory, and you don't see what you yeah. just see. As you say, like with a haunting, you just see the ghost. The chances of you actually finding out who that person is and whatever yeah. conclusively is probably fairly minimal. Unless you're Nigel Neal when you go to the local, go to the parish records, obviously, <laughs> speak to a speak to a, a a friendly vicar who's probably more, uh, who's probably just absentmindedly banging on about other things. <laughs> That's actually pretty much um, vibes as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, where it's just sort of like these guys, these people, and it's like they're just completely bonkers and going on about something else all the time. I was seeing about it the other day. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all a bit Harry Price, but uh, um Right, so let us discuss this evening's. Uh, I was going to say horror gem, but actually re watching it this evening. Not sure if it really is a horror movie necessarily, but I mean it probably fits closer into that niche than anything else. Definitely. Um, but mm. it's not an out-and-out horror film. So, on your first yeah. watching of Spider Baby, Chris, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was great fun. Like I really enjoyed pretty much all of it. I would say um, I did not know what to expect. It did certainly unfold. Um, yeah, like so from from the start when the guy is going up to the house, uh, they were making it seem quite eerie. So you know something weird's going on with that worst motorbike acting. In well, the world, yeah, yeah. Um, but and then, yeah, when he leans through the window and uh, suddenly the spider is unleashed upon him. Mm. Um, but it's, it was interesting that it definitely was light-hearted all the way through. Yeah. But I was trying to work out was that the era and the style, and at the time if you'd watched it how would you have responded I, mm. it's very difficult for me to know um i suppose still although it is it because we've now seen quite a few older mm. films i suppose but um yeah and so and this was lon cheney junior junior but quite a lot older yes than now the only other film i could think of was wolfman yeah have is- we seen him in anything else 41, I think, is Wolfman. Mm. Yeah, this is 24, 26 yeah. years later. Yeah. I think, or released 26 years later, but I think yeah, you said it was shot a few years before that. I think, yeah, I think it was shot a couple of years earlier. Because it was, re- yeah, when was it released? 67, but it was shot, I think, 65. Okay. Mm. So it sat on the shelf for a couple of years. 
don't know why. I mean, yeah. I think it's a perfectly good movie. But yeah. But yeah. I wonder was like was it a bit a bit out there for the time that, or that may have been the case because I think weirdly enough I I do think that the tone of it is deliberate. I don't think it's mm. I don't think it's one of those things of looking back at something and it's definitely not unintentionally funny. No. You know, it it knows the, the it, tri- yeah. yeah, it knows what it's doing. Every everyone who's playing Everyone who's in it knows they that seem to be deliberately playing the part. Yeah, they yeah, like they that. know that it's humorous. Mm, yeah. or whatever. Peter particularly, yes, yeah. and, and Sid Haig as well. Are, yeah, are well, and Lon Chaney, well, the I way he changes the girls as well. Yeah, yeah. everyone, yeah, everyone does it really yeah. well. They yeah. know, but no one's no one's doing no one's doing comic acting. But they are just doing acting. But it's like, oh, I know that this bit sound this. I know this bit is funny because it's creepy, or I know yeah. that we're yeah. you know. I, w- I think at the time probably it would have just been. I would imagine it would be considered pretty shocking just because there's there's one really vicious knife bit when it's Schlocker because you actually see them pounce yeah. mm. and everything. I mean, when it's the postman through the window, that is probably more comic, mm. but still it is quite like the actions she's doing are vicious and obviously an ear pops off. Yeah. So uh, that I'd imagine that's probably that would be considered that at the time probably quite gory. But but she's know. doing it as if it's a child's game. Oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Where it's it's funny actually. You saying that about the about the era and saying you know maybe it's it was more that era where that kind of a lot of it did have a lot of sense of comedy still tied in. I just realised this, this was released only what five six years before The Exorcist came out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's quite because that's the other thing. Because this is shot in black and white, yeah, mm. it totally that made it harder, feels... I think, to know exactly when it was. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, essentially, I mean, they're doing color from the forties onwards, mm. but mm. it's so much more prevalent by the time this comes out that something yeah. in black and white, you do sort of like think, oh, you you assume it's probably about a decade earlier. Yeah, mm. when yeah. actually, like you say, it's late sixties. It's nearly. You know, it's seen the Beatles. It's mm. and it's nearly. It's seen the Beatles. It's seen Kennedy assassinated, and it's about to see us walk on the moon. So yeah. it's quite, yeah. quite late in the day for when you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, everything's obviously like the house is old fashioned. Yeah. And, mm. uh, the, the their Cars car is well. old fashioned as well because that's from sort of thirties yeah. looking mm. sort of stuff. So yeah, so it does sort of create a mixed. It's got a very old school, and it, which I, I love. It's one of the things I actually made a note of that I really want to talk about. Is the opening cartoon and music like? Mm. I love that. It's fantastic, but it feels so much older. Yes, almost nineteen. Like we're creeping yeah. towards nineteen seventy at this point, mm. and it's got yeah. that. Mind you, you look at so, but then again, this might be an indication that they knew that there was the whimsical comedy edge to it. Mm. Because if you think about it, the only thing I can think of that has that sort of thing later is the Pink Panther. Yes, and yes. that is you know that's obviously definitely comedy. Yeah, but they would have those sort of cartoon intros. Oh, true, yeah, and stuff like St. Trinian's and mm. those type of you things. You know, that, they... but they tend it does tend to be more of a comedy thing. Yeah, mm. maybe it is almost like it's a signifier that no, this is you know this isn't serious. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose it fitted because it is like a madhouse. Mm. You know, because they're all and uh, so I was trying to work out were they they were all progressing, weren't they? Progressing, oh, yeah, yeah. Re, mm. yeah. But um, and they were. It seemed like turning into Spider, like I guess because the, the way 
um, Ralph climbs down the window. Yeah, I think it's it, just a very primeval. That, yeah, yeah they're, so, they're so, sort of becoming just, primitive. Like, yeah, sort of. But I just wondered why the spider aspect was so. I mean, it's it's Virginia's obsession yeah. with spider. I think his is. I think although his movements are very much like that, I think it is just showing his agility. Mm, okay. Obviously, because the way he catches the animals. It's and kind of catches... ape-like, really. Yeah. As yeah. well, because yeah. like, sort of like the climbing aspect and things mm. like that. I think, and really, I think that's what it is, because it's sort of it's meant to be harking back to sort of caveman, missing link. I was going to say, that's what he says in the opening, isn't it, when he's talking about it, and he says that he believes that eventually they will regress past a... Uh, a prenatal uh, past a prenatal stage. That was Uncle yeah. Peter saying. Yeah. 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 yeah, the dictionary of mm. rare and peculiar diseases. <laughs> mm. I want one. Of those. I, I I I looked that up as that was coming on. I, I looked that up because I wanted to check that I'd got the title right. Mm. And someone has actually written a book on Merry disease as mm. part of their like college thesis. That's fantastic. They've done, like their their thing was to make a book from a film. And so someone has actually made a book on Merry disease, wow. uh, Merry syndrome, and it just says a rare and peculiar disease. But and yeah, they've actually um, done. And a why book. is it called Merry? Because that I don't makes know. it seem like it's, yeah, almost, it's just the family yeah, but, name. But, but why did they choose Merry? Because Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. No, like, sure. Again, the fun aspect. Yeah. To it in some way. Well, I suppose like Mr. Jolly. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so that'd be jolly all the. Fucking <laughs> that um uh, the the obviously the opening music as well. I mean the guy who did the music for this is a guy called Ronald Stein, mm. who did a lot of Corman films. Yeah, and actually Jack Hill, the director, worked with Corman as well and uh, worked for Corman as well. In fact, what did I put him as? Uh, another graduate from the Roger Corman Academy of Exploitation Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Ronald Stein did like Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, Attack of the Crab Monsters, The Haunted Palace, and The Premature Burial. Oh. The Terror, Bloodbath, re-watched Dementia 13. I forgot when I talk about things I've rewatched recently. Haunted Palace, I rewatched. Oh, nice. Recently. Yes. Well, you were enjoying Ronald Stein's score then. Hey, and obviously, uh, Lon Chaney does the vocal, uh, like the, the, the singing. I, I, I'm loath to call it singing. He does the vocal line yeah. on the titles. <laughs> so that's actually Lon Chaney mm-hmm. Jr. Um, doing that. Um, Famously, obviously, covered by Phantomaz on the so. director's cut album, which is just beautiful. One of the best tracks on it. And mm-hmm. I've got, I've got a, a Ronald Stein album, uh, like collected uh, soundtracks thing mm. called uh, "Not of This Earth," and on there they've got, uh, along with like the Spider Baby score, they've got some other stuff like "Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman." But at the end of it, they've got an outtake mm. of the Spider Baby uh, thing. And it's uh, just Lon Chaney's uh, vocal. Hmm. And it's because uh, there's like the line in it um, uh, take a bite of an eight legged beast. Hmm. And, it's, and he sings, take, take, a, take a bite of an eight inch beast. Eight inch. <laughs> Hell of a beast. <laughs> <laughs> Where he realizes he's fucked it up and it's just, yeah, just like eight inch. <laughs> Hell of a beast. <laughs> I love Lon Chaney Jr. We've um, mm. obviously, as we said, we've covered uh, one of his films previously. Yes, but I don't think we went into him. No, because that lot was as a man. That was welcome. Welcome to Horror Episode Two. Mm. Is oh, the Wolfman? We didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, so we didn't have any. We don't know what we're doing. Now. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing now. So I mean, it's you know, it's just it's it's focused chaos. It, yes, it's it's focused ambling. You know, it's. <laughs> 
it's like yeah (laughs) it's like sort of rather than going and getting lost somewhere we know where we're going we don't know how to get there yes so you know it's it's up to it's it's up to its game i'd like to think so yeah we've stepped our pussies up (laughs) um but yeah lon cheney um, 197 film credits on IMDb. Yeah. That yeah. is ridiculous. They also How think many have you seen? Oh, <laughs> certainly not that many. No, I've seen most of his Universal work, but yeah, I've apart seen from probably that, yeah. 20 or so. He did loads of westerns and he stuff did, like yeah. that. Yeah, oh, okay. well, because I mean, he he played a lot of like crooks and heavies because obviously uh, he's yeah. a big guy. Yeah, and he. Um, yeah, there was like they actually think that there might be it might be nearer three hundred, <gasps> like in terms of just doing bit parts and mm. shit like that, oh, really? or like extras work and sort yeah. of stuff. So yeah, he might have really. Well, worked you his might ass hate off. me for this, but there were points where I was just getting a little bit confused between him and Vincent Price, and I think it's to do with that they are both. I, I, I suppose, like you just said, large. Uh, bold sort of men but yeah. also they said both a bit funny like a bit of a yeah. cheeky look yeah yeah, yeah. Like it's like when he was sort of thinking about the uh oh what could i do here yeah. he sort of works his way through the problem he's like i've got an answer here you know yeah goes off and somehow it just made me think i'll tell you what though because obviously lon cheney lon cheney jr and he's he was that's not his real name hmm. his real name is um crichton hmm. crichton toll cheney so and he, that's a better name. Well, it's it's his mum's maiden name was Crichton. <laughs> so they sort of so he they gave him that like when he was born. But obviously Lon Chaney was a massive star of um silent horror films. He was the, uh-huh. he's the classic Phantom of the Opera, the London After Midnight, uh um, Hunchback Cos- of Notre Dame. Yeah, Cosimodo, just and, and it was his own makeup work. He'd sort of learnt it in the theatre and doing vaudeville and stuff like that, and he would do ridiculously dangerous stuff. Yeah, he was put. He would get like copper hoops and expand them into his eyes so that they would sort of go like wider and blood drained and sort of really sort of yeah. underscored and creepy. And he was sticking um, the teats off of baby bottles up his nose to flare his nostrils, <laughs> and then having to go to A&E to get him flushed out of his sinus. And, yeah, he was like sort of... A yeah, true he, artist. Oh, he's yeah, a true he's artist, fun. but God almighty, did he like put himself through rack and ruin. Yeah. But um, yeah, and so he actually discouraged mm. Lon Chaney Jr. from following in his footsteps. He was like, I don't think you should do show business. He sent him to... He ended up going to like a business school. But actually, I mean, when... Worst thing, completely yeah, turned him onto it. It was. Well, Lon Chaney, if I remember correctly, is so his father... Both of his parents were deaf. Yes. So he yeah. used to have to. So he was used to growing up being very doing lots of yeah. over the top mm. gestures, which is why when Silent yeah. Silent mm. Film came out, it was perfect yeah. for him because he'd spent his whole life having to do that. Dramatizing. Yeah, yeah. He, he regarded it as clowning. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's where he sort of felt he he came from really, cause mm. he, and he did play quite a few horror clowns here and there. Yeah. So it's you know he was, but um, like so Lon Chaney's wife, um, like who uh, like Lon Chaney Junior's mum, mm-hmm. she attempted suicide. Like they were very unhappy, mar- unhappily married, and she attempted suicide actually at the theatre that Lon Chaney was working at. Wow! Because uh, she was like a chorus girl, and I think she drank like bleach or acid <gasps> or something like that, and 
didn't kill herself, but she was a singer, so that was out of the question. Yeah. Mm. But also, they got divorced, and little Crichton was sent away to boarding school, mm. and sort of well into homes and boarding school because there was no one to sort of accept custody of him because yeah. you had to, it had to be a stable environment. But uh, and that was um, yeah, nineteen thirty. So he was born. Sorry, he was born nineteen oh six. Um, his parents divorced in nineteen thirteen. And then in 19, uh, where is it? Yeah, I think it was like 1916 or something like that, that his dad was then established as an actor and re- had remarried. Mm. So Long Cheney Jr. went back to live with them. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until his dad died that he found out that his mother hadn't died. He hadn't been told they divorced. He was told mm. that his mother had died. Oh, my God. Mm. So like all sort of... A lot of weird sort of shit came out of mm. that. Obviously, I mean, it's just a, it's a weird circumstance to grow up in, anyway. Yeah. And like, and as I say, I mean, he was um, uh, because his dad had said, you know, don't go into show business. Um, he did a lot of manual work. He was a plumber for a while. He did metal work. He did a lot of sort of like manual sort of stuff mm. and things like that. Um, but he had watched his dad acting. He had watched his dad doing his makeup techniques and stuff like that. And he was kind of. He still wanted. He kind of wanted to do it. It was just mm. because his dad had sort of said, "Look, look, just don't. It's a bloody yeah. nightmare, you know." Um, so he sort of started acting on stage, mm. and he was still billed as Crichton Cheney. He didn't want his dad's name because he didn't want, you know, he didn't. He wasn't trying to trade off being Long Cheney's son. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so but then his dad died of throat cancer at thirty-seven. Mm. Which is one of those yeah. moments where you're like, "Oh my god, how much did you pack in, mate?" Yeah, you know when it's like sort of like two marriages, an attempted suicide, a sure. son. Uh, a you career, know, we're uh, talking about a hundred yeah. years later. Yeah, and yeah, dead at thirty-seven. There we go. Um, yeah, and it was only after then that like he started acting in films. Mm. And again, it was probably just because he was like, All "Right, I don't," you know. I'm again, he wasn't trying to get a leg up from his dad working in films. Yeah. Um, so did quite a few small roles and stuff like that. And then in 1935, Universal Studios basically said to him, we want to rename you Lon Chaney Jr. to capitalise on your dad's name. He really didn't want to do it because he was like, no, that, that, that's... You know, that's not my fame. That's my dad's fame. I yeah. just want to build a career and everything. And basically, Universal said, "We well, can change your name or oh, never work yeah. again." Well, wow. And so he there, was. There's a surprise. Yeah. So yeah. they really, they really just. But he regarded it as they starved him into it. Mm-hmm. Is how he put it. So he ended up being called Lon Chaney Junior. because, and that was to differentiate himself from his dad. Mm-hmm. But Universal tended to just. Bill him mm. as Lon Chaney. Because I thought yeah. that on the credits. Yeah, on this, he's, he's Lon Chaney. Chaney. And a lot of the Universal stuff, he's just Lon mm. Chaney. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and that was something, I mean, I think there was like, there's some really sort of sad quotes from him where he's like, I am I am not proud of the name Lon Chaney Jr. I'm proud of the name Lon Chaney because that's my father and I'm proud of what he did. Mm-hmm. But I feel that, you know, I feel it was a cheap shot and I really, I'm kind, and he said he was ashamed that he did and that. All of this, all of the knowing all of this now explains why he became, uh, unfortunately, the shadow of a oh, person yeah. that he did later on in life. Yeah, because he he had, I mean, there's there's alcoholism, and then there's he, we're talking like nineteen 
40s 50s 60s alcoholism you know he when, was when drinking all day every day was perfectly acceptable mm. yeah so <laughs> and driving yeah yes. yeah exactly so when someone notices <laughs> yeah. that you're an alcoholic when you you're really being diagnosed are. an alcoholic you are drinking to destruction well, you know there's a story of him in um i can't remember where i heard it now so i can't I can't unfortunately give credit to it, uh, but I'm sure somewhere I heard of. I think it's is um, uh, it's either Ghost of Frankenstein or F Son of Frankenstein, um, when they find him underground and he's kind of half buried in the mud. Mm -hmm. um, I it, think it's Ghost. I yeah, think it's Ghost. He's in. Um, yeah, and there's stories of them saying, yeah, he was uh, during those takes. He was so drunk they had to leave him laying on the ground between takes because. He was too drunk to get up. Like well, the, on set, he was to that degree of. Yeah. Well, there was a, there was a there was a, um, a it was on the biography channel, which I miss when I thought of it because every Halloween they used to just dig out the same ones. It was uh, Vincent Price, Peter Laurie, Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney. Oh, you know, they used God. to they just used to put uh, all the great all the horror greats mm. used to go like Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. They just. Yeah, that's all they did for the whole weekend on mm. Halloween, um, and so. But and I've actually seen the footage, and I think it was for a TV show, because he only played Frankenstein in Ghost of Frankenstein. But there was like a TV show, and it was going out live. Mm. And what had happened was, is he'd, um, like they said to him, right, we, like that afternoon they did the rehearsal for it, mm. and he's playing Frankenstein's monster. He's got to break chairs over people. He's got to throw a uh, like a table through a window or something mm. like that. You know, he's got to wreck this set. Yeah. And obviously, they've said on rehearsal, it's like right, okay, just we'll just go through the motion. So pick it up, pretend yeah. to bonk him on the head because it's a balsa wood chair. It's going to fall apart. Yeah. Put it back down. Do the same with the table, etc., etc. He was so wrecked by the time they're actually broadcasting it live. He is still following. The rehearsal instructions. So he goes up to someone with the chair, mimes hitting them, and then carefully puts the chair back. Oh. And it's horrible to watch yeah. because obviously it's going out live. No one can jump on the set and go, Lon, actually hit people yeah, with it. Yeah. You know, do, you know, yeah. you, and it's, and you can see everyone else is like panicking because it's like, oh shit, what is going on? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And the real tragedy is, and I genuinely think, Watching like watching this today, hmm. he is, and it obviously comes from this sort of broken heartedness of hmm. his life or whatever like that. But he is just so good at playing someone like just at the end of their breaking point. Because hmm. I, mean, I, I was almost crying when he's doing the bit where it's I swore to your dad that I was going to look mm. up and he is like in tears and the yeah. girls are I was going to say like he, I've never seen him act that well as he does in that scene it's mm. not until today that he came out and the whole thing is that one shot so close to mm. his face where we, you really can see the genuine tears and everything yeah. it's, it's fantastic sorry Ed um, so for the sake of the listeners as we say we did have a bit of trouble getting some scheduling together there is hoovering going on outside the room so uh, yeah <laughs> You do apologise, but uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's so good in this. Yeah, in this role. And I think it's like, uh, like I say, I think it's, uh, and even when he's the Wolfman, weirdly enough, in Abbott and Costello, yes, he is so good at like how 
the curse affects him. Mm. And actually, I mean, like Abbott and Costello does it the right way. Abbott and Costello are pissing about, and everyone else is dead straight. Yeah, mm. the ghost is straight, and you know everyone in it. And but yeah, he is just so sort of, you know, just torn apart by Broken. being mm-hmm. the Wolfman. And and in this, like I say, it's like the sort of thing where it's just like oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, he's been looking after these kids the best he can because he made a promise yeah. to Mad Titus. W Mary or whatever yeah. and it's like yeah but, it's, but who was he originally then for him how was he connected he was, to the family he was the chauffeur he was actually the chauffeur yeah he's okay. just the chauffeur right. and he's like the uh, chauffeur butler yeah, footman, yeah you know okay. obviously because yeah. when he was when he was doing the dinner which that was quite a funny thing yeah um, and he became oh I'm like quite it's a pleasure to have you here now he'd yeah. sort of changed from being you yeah know, we don't want anyone around really to Oh, we might as well enjoy this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it seemed like that was his role. Also, also, the sweat is lashing off him. Yeah. Apparently, when they filmed this, it was like ridiculously hot. Mm. And at one point, Sid Haig had flu. Mm. Oh, really? In, and it was like the hottest day they filmed. And basically, he was going up. He like would film a bit, go off camera, get a vitamin shot, and come mm. back in because oh, he was like that. You know, he was just. Like could dying, have had, could have added to the role. Yeah, so, oh, but. I think I think it probably did, but yeah, he's. Well, you can see it in the in the scenery around him, like all the palm trees, and when they're mm. driving, everything. Mm. It's just dust road. So wherever yeah. they filmed this, it is really, really hot and arid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it adds to the. It to does. The film. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like, it gives you that sense of the difference between outside and inside I like they do very well so yes everything outside is so brightly lit and everything inside is so dark and they switch to like a really soft focus mm. when they do inside whereas all the stuff outside is like watching it on the blu-ray obviously made yeah. different. but yeah it's like I ultra high D yeah really crisp. outside yeah and as soon as I move inside it's all soft focus and the, the walls are all covered so it's all like soft edges it's a really yeah yeah, it makes it, it gives you a real feeling of claustrophobia inside the house, despite the fact it's a huge house in the mm. middle of the country. Mm. Well, also, I think that uh, again, watching it on the Blu-ray, is that there's stuff that I've missed before. Like the, I didn't, I've never noticed before that there is a dull crucified in a spider's web in the guest yeah. bedroom yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that. It's like, yeah, when, she, when she's um, posing in front of the mirror. Yeah, yeah. I think just, I think Carol, um, Carol Omar. I think that's, I think that might be. Um, I, don't, I don't want to suggest that she's insisting on it. I'm assuming that it's whatever exploitative <laughs> director has hired her is insisting on it. But she does do a lot of pants acting, doesn't she? She's very good at pants acting. I'm not person. complaining, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Obviously, we saw her. We saw her previously uh, on Welcome to Horror episode 33, The House on Haunted Hill. Mm. Or oh, no, sorry, House on Haunted Hill. Yes, it's not the House on Haunted Hill. It's House on Haunted Hill. Hello, get a minute. <laughs> uh, yes, as the wife of uh, Vincent Price. Yeah, and again, she was. Re- she. Uh, I don't think. I think that's probably the best thing about this film is just how good everyone is in it. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah like yeah. there's no. It's a very small cast. None of whom are piss. You know, none of them are poor. Everyone's really no. sort of good. Even the like old bag who's like sort of like. There isn't such a place around here, and we wouldn't know about it if there was. Yes. Well, that didn't sound suspicious at all, love. <laughs> But again, like we were saying earlier, though, this really... And obviously Sid Haig we covered on 
uh, a lot of his starring stuff we covered on uh, House of a Thousand Corpses episode. Yeah. We did, and also for some uh, amazing... We had a, a chat a few episodes back uh, with Tony Wash yes. uh, from It's My Party, who spent time uh, working with Sid mm. uh, a few years back now um, and had some incredible personal anecdotes of time he'd spent with him and mm. just what, a, what an incredible human being he was. Um, so, uh, yeah, so if... if you've not listened to it go back and listen to to tony sort of um yeah waxing Paul, lyrical about yeah hey, about yeah. what an incredible person he was to spend time with and what a, a genuine guy yeah and i wonder i wonder because i was like reading about like researching for spider baby mm. one of the things that i saw was a quote from sid Haig saying that at one point he went in like and it was like a couple of days into filming and he went in they said oh can you get Lon Chaney, can you get Lon? And he's like, and he went in and he said, "Oh, Mr. Chaney, they want you on set." And apparently, Lon Chaney just went, "No, I'm Lon. You're Sid. That's it. Come on, let's go." <laughs> and he said that it was like he really, like on set, made everyone really sort of because that's the other thing as well as you sort of again, although you know, terrible sort of problems and the terrible life he gave himself really. Mm. Is everyone just said how what a sweet, nice guy he was. And again, I think that comes across. You know, there's totally a, genuinely does. he's a of of all the sort of horror greats. I think he's one of the more empathetic. Yes. You know, him and Karloff probably are the ones because mm. everyone everyone else has got. You know, you you want to empathise with Vincent Price <laughs> because you want to be Vincent Price. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? He's not. You know, he's it's sort of like he's still a cold, imposing man a lot of the time. Yeah. Or at least gleefully evil. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of when I want to be Vincent Price. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you really do sort of you sort of feel for Lon Chaney in a lot of the stuff he does. Absolutely. And I was saying to Lee earlier, I didn't realise he actually played uh, Lenny in an adaptation of uh, of Mice and Men. Mm. And again, I can really, really understand that. Yeah. Because I'd imagine I'm, I'm really going to have to check it out because I just think he will be uh, so uh, fucking good that playing role. that character. Yeah. Um, and um but yeah i mean it's sort of uh, but also he was um what was it he's played four universal monsters so he's obviously the wolfman in well lawrence talbot the wolfman yeah in the wolfman frankenstein meets the wolfman house of frankenstein house of dracula abbott costello meet frankenstein he's caris the mummy or caris caris <laughs> the mummy in the mummy's tomb the mummy's ghost and the mummy's curse he is uh, like you said earlier is the Frankenstein's monster in Ghost of Frankenstein yeah. uh, also in the Colgate Comedy Hour and Tales of Tomorrow on TV um, he's uh, Count Anthony Alucard <laughs> aka Count Dracula <laughs> in Son of Dracula uh, he is the son wait, wait yeah. why I'm sure we mentioned this before but what's Alucard it's Dracula backwards Ah, uh, right. <laughs> so it turns up in a lot of stuff in um, Satan in uh, Dracula nineteen seventy yeah, nineteen seventy two. There's Johnny Alucard in that, who's like right. the Christopher Neem, who's like the. It's the, also the name that the guy phones up uh, in the Monster Squad to speak to the child so that he can get back Van Helsing's diary. Mm. But yeah, Absolutely. Alucard does turn up a lot of this stuff. Although I still think the best one is. Um, I can't remember what it is, but it's like a comedy show where Bella Lugosi was on there, and obviously the copyright with that. He only played Dracula twice: Dracula and Abbott Costello meet mm. Frankenstein. And um, 
But there is a thing where it's like Dracula. No, just Doctor Acula. But yeah, and I mean, obviously, Elizabeth and Virginia are brilliant. But Mm. like we were saying, this kind of is House of a Thousand Corpses. It's like the norms turn up at the weirdo's house. Yeah, you pointed Mm. this out as soon as the film had finished, and I was like. How? How have yeah. I never made that connection before? It just well, I mean, Rob Zombie always says like House of a Thousand Corpses is, is the old dark house, and yeah. again, similar kind yeah. of thing. But I think Spider Baby has a much greater claim. Yeah. On House of a Thousand Corpses, and we'll have to mention it again that uh, that video I had of Spider Baby and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Yes. <laughs> back. Yeah. Night. And then it was like House of a Thousand Corpses comes out, and it's like, oh, what are you two influences? Spider Baby and House of uh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. And it's like, I've got just the tape for you, Robert. <laughs> I won't call you Rob. Not been introduced. <laughs> but um, yeah, and but even like so, but like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you get the meal scene. Yeah. And, and uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, you get the meal scene and stuff like that. And, and Again, these are all quite sort of like good sort of modern American Gothic staples mm. that all seem to be said. And I, I definitely think there is something to be said for America's re- really has a horror of family. Yes. See, now, that's something I didn't pick up on, and I, I just I don't think I questioned it last time. So the the relationships of Peter and Emily are brother and sister. Yes. Yeah. I'd, I think I'd kind of assumed that previously, but it's never actually spoken. I don't think it is. I'm I'm convinced that I might might have just not picked it up or something like that. But I'm convinced just at one point someone says, "Oh, like he's someone says, oh, oh my brother's just I, joking or something yeah, like yeah. that." And I'm sure it's just, but it is like just a one line. Yeah. And then yeah, from then on, you just. But then I think, weirdly enough, I think it's something you infer from the relationship. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It, weirdly enough, Carol, Omar and Vincent Price clearly are married. Even yes. though it's a similar relationship of bickering mm. and like bitching at each other and laughing at each other's misfortunes. But it's because um, because uh, Peter's younger and sort of more her age, yeah. you're like, they probably wouldn't be together. You know I, mean? love that. I, I think that's a great show of acting that you can get two people and stand them next to each other and they've both been told what their relationship is and you don't have to be. You just mm. get it because well, they just play it perfectly. It's like you just said about the burbs. Like that just to me was like doesn't need to be in the burbs but oh my God is that a great bit of backstory because it's sort of like it just takes a lot into it yeah. And, it like, just, yeah and then when every time and the thing is after he showed it it just showed a few different clips of him yeah and i was like it's the bit when he's sitting in bed with the orange juice with the most bored face you've ever seen and you, yeah and it's like yeah i, I, I get that yeah he's bored he's depressed he wants to sit around in his pajamas and be miserable yeah like yeah yeah and it just it all comes together like the fact that if you don't know it it doesn't make the scene scene feel weird mm. but as soon as you do mate it just pulls it all together. mind you in this if you don't pick up that they're not married it does look like he just hits on the secretary yeah. oh, and yeah, leaves yeah. his wife there with the uh, Hitler lawyer <laughs> you know it's like it's, <laughs> um, but again House of a Thousand Corpses and I think that there is something very much at the heart of a lot of horror cinema certainly in this circumstance I don't think you can I don't think you can do it in Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be honest 
But House of a Thousand Corpses, Spider Baby, if there is one rule, be polite. Yes. Because Peter and Anne are fine. Yeah. Because they... Hi, Ralph. You know, they treat everyone just as people. They're not like, oh, it's the strange kids or the mental yeah. kids mm. or whatever like that. They just come in. It's like, oh, Ralph's just a big kid. Hiya, Ralph. Oh, Ralph, you look really great. And he's just being... I love the we, character of Peter. Yeah, I think he's, he's great. absolutely fantastic. I think both of them are great. Him and, and Anne is like a role that would... He is Anne, isn't it? I'm it is Anne, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Anne, that's a role that would be quite sort of just not really anything mm. in a lot of these films you'd just be the damsel in distress but she's actually like a character really good especially when they're just sitting there talking about horror movies that yeah. Night. yeah oh yeah I like that the, the, the reference <laughs> back to the wolf man yeah it's a full moon tonight um, that's how yeah. all men should act yeah mm. and Emma, like I really like Emily Brown. as well yeah. like although she's an obnoxious character yeah yeah I just but think she, she's played but, but, but what happened what happens to her Ralph does what to her what eats her is the kind of but, but she wakes up tiger. and seems quite pleased about what yeah Ralph's but I think done. it depends on what way he's eating her <laughs> yeah I, I think the, the thing was he captured her the same as he captures the animals and, and I was under the impression that he was going to eat obviously he didn't because we saw her at the end like yeah. I say I think no I I think it's just I think it's just the the Again, something that is that is probably the most of its time thing, where it's just sort of like, oh, like yeah, mild sexual assault, right? Yeah. Okay, oh, but now she's really like, into like it. it. Yeah. yeah, you know. So maybe that's that. But it's sort of no, I, I don't know. I mean, it might even be just be. It's like that. You see it in Looney Tunes almost, where it's like people get a bonk on the head and they're like obsessed with someone yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know, it's sort of, um, yeah. or like when Mr. Burns could only say Homer Simpson after he got shot. Homer oh, yeah. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and and like um, em- Emily and uh, Virginia, uh, sorry, Elizabeth and Virginia. Yeah, yeah. they are f- so fucking good. Yeah, because yeah. they are just so so cute but creepy yeah. at the same time yeah. like and there's a real edge to them mm-hmm. like where it's oddly enough no, Ralph okay I mean you know obviously I mean let's face it he's, he's obviously got Anne's tits out as well so yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know he's he's a he's a mucky pup I'd not noticed else. that until today yeah and it was like yeah. oh right oh no he's just uh, taken her away yeah he has taken her top off in yeah process, yeah exactly but but the girls I think there is a definite sort of like there's a wonderful edge that they've got on that bit when they're at the top of the stairs in silhouette. Yeah. And then the light comes on yeah. and they just mm. banshee yeah. down on him. That is so good. If yeah. I knew them, I would definitely be having some space between them. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, they, they just, yeah. I mean, um, Peter wrote The Deer Hunter. There you go. There's a weird one for you. Wow. He wrote, he, and he didn't write that much. And, but yeah, but one, of just the, wrote... one of the things he wrote was the deer hunter. So Gunzu wow. Mao, did he Mao? <laughs> but um, yeah, and he did sort of like a lot of TV. He was Rex Sterling in The Young and the Restless for a hundred oh, really? something episodes, and I can God. really see that. Yeah, he's, you know, he sorts that. He does fit that sort of. Because I, li- I like that. He it's like Leslie Nielsen's thing hmm. of he really plays up to. Um, me being Hoover, yeah. sorry, the Hoover is right outside the door. I'm sure you can hear. Yeah, but he really, but he really plays his sort of, I don't know what it is, like straight, you know, 
healthy yeah that very american, american sort yeah. of yeah and i love that opening as well which is something that is in lots of stuff particularly like we said like i mean like earlier stuff like a lot of 50s and 60s things where they will begin with the academic sort of sat there with his pipe and it's yeah. like, even it's even in rocky horror yeah where you have like the psycho- the criminal psychologists sort yeah, of talking Charles about Gray. yeah and it's like yeah you have that sort of intro hmm. that again just sort of because uh, but again it's that awareness because of the amount of things where it'd be like reefer madness marijuana <laughs> skunk weed <laughs> old man's hair <laughs> call it what you will but it's a menace <laughs> and it's yeah that's sort of very so uh, yeah i just think he does that great you know and clearly they like a drink yeah the scene in the car is just mm. well i i actually i felt guilty because well not guilty well, um yeah because uh, the scene yeah where he's driving them from the their evening that they've had yeah back to the hotel can't get in the motel so he drives them back to the house and he's clearly drunk and messing his words up and i was like oh you know back when it was socially acceptable and not <laughs> as illegal as it is um and then i looked into virginia um yes Jill, yes yeah. So Jill Banner, who played Virginia, yeah, because um, I was like, she's fantastic. I've, she must have been in other stuff. Yeah, um, she died killed by a drunk driver at the age of thirty-five. Oh. Yeah, she was best. She went to school with um, Peggy Lipton, Norma from Twin Peaks. Oh, really? Who died mm. in May, but yeah, they were best mates. And um, but yeah, she she had a few roles, film and TV, mainly playing sort of. Uh, blissed out hippie types I mean mm. you can imagine yeah. Yeah. apparently she got the role which I just thought was brilliant is an uh, interview with Jack Hill uh, and he said that uh, she got the role because she sort of came in and they were like trying to get the right obviously you needed to get the right people mm. and they said to her oh you know sort of just went through a scene or whatever like that and they were talking to her and then just before she left she sort of went she just apparently um, she said oh yeah I've not had much I've not had much experience but I am fun to have around. And she sort of said it with a bit of a mad smile. And they were like, we found her. Because that was just, they thought it was just like, that is, that is what the she character. would, that is the character, yeah. you know, I'm fun to be around. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she was, um, she had like an on off relationship with Marlon Brando. Oh, really? And then, like, sort of early 70s, she gave up acting and moved out to New Mexico to become a real estate agent. <laughs> then she ended up going, uh, she ended up sort of going back to Hollywood in the early 80s and mm. sort of hooked up again with Marlon Brando. I was developing scripts with him, apparently. Nice. And then, yeah, she in 1982, her car was hit by a drunk driver. She was thrown out of the vehicle and hit her head on the central divider. Mm. Yeah. Went into a coma, died in hospital. That's tragic. She was 35, and uh, the lesson there is uh, she wasn't wearing her seatbelt. Yes. So, yeah, clunk click. Yes. Not, not in the Jimmy Savile sense. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm glad no, I don't know what that I, means. I've got the... We'll have to do them as a thing. I think that would be a lovely bonus episode. Is I will set you guys a set of YouTube clips of public information films mm. and stuff like The Spirit of Dark and Lonely Water. Oh, yes. With um, Don Pleasance as The Spirit of Death and, yes. and things like you've put, a poli- you've, put a, what is it, you've put a rug on a polished surface you might as well have set a man trap. <laughs> and it's like, and, and it's these lovely things because there's no fucking around with them. There's no soft soaping. It's basically, do this or you're dead. Yeah, I remember the ones about climbing up 
piles of sand and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, it's not like now where you kind of mollycoddle it and mm. say, oh, mm. it might be bad for your health. It's like, look, if you climb a pile of sand, you're dead. Yeah. And it's really horrible. You drown in sand. It couldn't be more painful. What, Don't do it. What age will you be presenting this to Ted? Um, very, very quickly. Last yeah. week. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's... But actually, I'll tell you what, and the curious thing is, the only one that they do have a different attitude to, and I think it works so much better, hmm. is the drink driving adverts. The drink driving adverts, because they're from a different time, hmm. they're almost like, look, we know you're going to get... You, we know you like to drink and drive, but if you have an accident, they're going to blame you. And it's like a drink driving advert where basically a guy is driving along... Someone crashes into him, but then he gets done for it because he's three sheets to the wind, even though he's been driving okay. Whereas now, whereas now it is just oh, you're gonna yeah. If you drink and drive, you're gonna kill someone. And it's it's almost like that's the one that's flipped, and all the others have sort of right really sort of come back. Yeah, but there's quite a few on there, which is Jimmy Savile doing road safety. (laughs) There's one right. There's one where he's got an egg in a fucking um, like petty cash box. And just goes, that'll be your brain. And then sort of whacks the thing like that. And it's like, that's what your brain will be like. And pours out uh, the smashed egg. He did a TV show called Clunk Click. Mm. Because of he did, he did the... his The advert was Clunk Click every trip. Yeah. Always wear your seatbelt. Yeah. There's one where it's a guy... Again, this is when an era where we were not soft-soaping shit. Yeah. We weren't mollycoddling people. Guy, like... Cut to bloke in a wheelchair, and then Savile walks on in his full seventies regalia, like his best suit. His hair's all over the place, and he goes, "Oh well, you won't be going to many disco taps anytime soon, will you?" And it's basically a bloke who's become a quadriplegic from being in a fucking car accident, and that's the opening line. And he comes in and just taunts him about, yeah, it. Jesus, and it's like, fuck me, man. That's and, a bit off. Well, no. Well, it's Jimmy Savile. I mean, at this point, well, he's very, to... very low down on the list of crimes. <laughs> but you sort of still watch it, and you're like, "No, oh come on, no, you haven't." It really is My like that. Word. But That's yeah, I, I will get, I will get a set of the more, like, I mean, the, the Savile ones are just horrific. Cause it's Jimmy Savile. <laughs> but I'll get, I'll get, a, I'll get like a little uh, YouTube list set up of like, like I say, there'll be Spirit of Dark and Lonely Water. Um, the one with the kids on the farm one, which is like, there's one where it's like the kids keep going back to the farm and it's like, it's like six kids or whatever like that. And basically one gets wiped out every day. So it's like one kid accidentally touches electrical wire. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, that's the other one, one I always the, remember. The one with the fishing rod. Yes. Be careful of overhead lines. You might be walking along with your fishing rod and next minute you and your friends are all dead. You're yeah. Like, don't, don't get your frisbee out of power stations. Yeah. Timmy! Now he's bacon. Yeah, like it is. Uh, but, but like you said, it's the fact that it's just so. But they were aimed at children, yeah, then, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. So whereas they the, were aimed at the, children, but the, but the ones now for drink driving aren't, oh, aren't no, aimed these, at children, these, are these, they? These were the public in general. I mean, there's yeah. there's one which is incredible because it features, but certainly because it features a guy who I've only ever seen uh, playing side coppers in the Sweeney, <laughs> and it's he's using a drill. But they have to do, and this is this is astounding. They have to do a safety video that basically says, "Yeah, what you don't do is if your drill hasn't got a plug on it, you don't stick a matchstick in the top of the plug to to remove the safety guard, and, <laughs> and then stick, stick the bare wires in. in the other two holes." <laughs> They've had to do a video of that. Who would do that? 
clearly dodgy people in the Sweeney who are doing drilling work. <laughs> I don't know, but it's like again, you sort of it's insane. I mean, there's like there's a lot of ones on there that you don't need anymore. There's like the fridge ones. Yeah, where it's yeah. like break the lock off your fridge and again they are just like horrific because they are like oh yeah if you don't break the lock off your fridge a child will die it's not may yeah. it's really sort of like no it's black and white if you leave that outside you are a murderer because a child will probably hundreds will die in that fridge <laughs> they really lay it on with a trowel but I think people fucking need it in a curious way well it's funny because they it does stick with you like yeah. you say like as soon as you said about electricity the first thing I thought was oh fish your rods yeah. yeah. there's a there's They're a, more dangerous than chainsaws <laughs> in my eyes after those videos as a kid there's some early ones that are beautiful as well because there's a there's a couple there's one about like there's one which features this guy, and I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he's this lovely... He's got, like, the best face because he just looks like a thick bastard. <laughs> he's a, no, he just looks like a dopey git. And he features in loads of adverts for, like, stop being a moron. Yeah. And it's things like, if you're sneezing, put a bloody handkerchief over your face. It's literally that. But it's just this guy who sort of, like, looks at the camera because he's like, you, yes, you, put your hands over your face when you sneeze. And sort of things like... But one of them is you can only take five pounds with you on holiday. And it keeps showing, like, him counting it on his fingers and then on his feet. And then it's just close-ups of his hands and his feet and then five-pound notes all in a row. Five pounds! Five pounds! Five pounds! <laughs> are all you can take with you on holiday. Uh, but, like I say, I will, sh I will show you a picture of this guy because he has just got the most gormless face. But he's great. He just really is. But, oh. yeah. Sorry, that's... Yeah, just I think, a little... I think we possibly should do that as a, a piece every episode we have to watch one of these oh yeah that's actually not a bad call yeah, actually. That, I will, yeah. I'll line Our them up and we can do that as, we'll do that as like the backup and we'll put the put the link in the show notes or yeah. something like yeah. that just so that people can uh, go and see it um, and um, Beverly Washburn who played Elizabeth um, began acting at the age of seven she is still acting yes mm. 75 yeah. I noticed that only today, looking at IMDb. That's yeah, her last film credit uh, was for a comedy called Tales of Frankenstein. I have made a note of that. I will uh, be looking that up. I don't know anything about it. No. Other, than... other than that, I mean, it's a lot of telly work. She's quite a... F she's all Arlene Galway in an episode of Star Trek, but the fact that there seems to be hundreds of pictures of her on there, I'm assuming she's quite a major character, mm. just in that episode, yeah. to be honest. Um, but yeah, and Anne's in... A load of she's in the monsters, the man from Uncle, and loads of um, Coleman films as well. Oh, so, excellent! Yeah. One final person, uh, Matt Morland, who was the um, post uh, postman. Yeah, um, he was an actor and comedian, and he did like tons and tons of films in the thirties and forties. Hmm. But he was always playing servants and basically servants and train drivers it was like blue collar workers like postmen and stuff like that because yeah. it was like because it was black roles in yeah, those yeah. days but he he was really really successful I think he did like he did like sort of hundred odd films or whatever like that mm. and he was really successful but a lot of his because he was um, like the comic relief in a lot of films and he's in like um, where was it he's in loads of Charlie Chan films um, really? Yeah, he's Charlie Chan's chauffeur slash sidekick in fifteen films. Wow! By the character Birmingham Brown, but he would, but he played up the kind of the same sort of character in this. But he was always like a cowardly 
scared comic relief character. See, I loved that. And, and, like, and, and you can totally tell yeah. he's a comedian because of his timing yeah. in this is so good. Yeah, and I feel, I feel bad for him because he basically, because of the attitudes changing towards sort of like racial representation and things like that on the mm. screen, he basically got sort of ostracised because it was like, no, we're not having this in films anymore. And it's like, yeah, but you, he is, he's, whatever colour he is, he's a fucking comic master. Yeah. He's really, really good. And it's sort of like, you know. And if you've made that niche for yourself, to someone mm, to come along and say, yeah. you're not allowed to do that anymore because it's offensive. And you're like, yeah. but against who? Like, mm. I'm well, not offended. Well, I, mind, it, mind you, I mean, I th- but it sort of started off that he wasn't getting the roles. And then he put a, he did like an interview in like 59 or whatever, where he said, "Never play another. Se- I'll never play another stereotype regardless of what Hollywood offers. Uh, millions of people may have thought my acting was comical, but now I know it wasn't always funny to my own people. And it's like, mm. that's a fair point. And I don't think in this, I don't think he's, it's not a racial caricature. No, it no. is just he's th- the funny postman. Exactly. And that's what I mean. Like, if he's if he's now, work, that's what I, I kind of yeah. meant by that yeah. character. Like, yeah, exactly. If he's like, I always play the small character who just comes in and has a, a, yeah. a really good comedy i'm always scared i'm always like if you created that character yeah mm. to then have people say well we shouldn't really be doing that you yeah know, well, i think i think i mean when you see him doing other stuff because i think he's, he's in quite a few like sort of thrillers mainly as the comic relief yeah and it is it is a very played up sort of um like accent and everything else like that so yeah. i can i i know where they're coming from in terms yeah, yeah. of that but it, but again like you say it is someone's own sort of choice in a way and even if it wasn't like, <coughs> you know like the fact that the fact that he is a black actor has mm. nothing to do with this role no. whatsoever he could have been anybody he mm. just plays it brilliantly he just does it brilliantly and he's like i hope there is someone around <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he does live on in eternity go on he is sampled in B-Boys, Making with the Freak Freak by the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. From his comedy album, That Ain't My Finger. <laughs> um, <laughs> you will all know, shit. If it's going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potato. Is that him? That's him. Yes! Yeah. And that's from his comedy album, That Ain't My Finger. Because I, I was trying to work, I, I, listened to a bit of it on, I listened to a bit of it on YouTube. Because I was like, why is it called That Ain't My Finger? I've got a fair idea. <laughs> and the joke is, what is it he said? Uh, it's like a bloke's looking for somewhere to stay one night and he just knocks on a random door and this says, could you put me up for the night? And the guy says, yeah, come in, come in. There's only one bed, but come in. He takes him in and he's sitting, he said, and it's about midnight. <laughs> about midnight. And then he just said, there's a bit of, there's a bit of, uh, what is it, ruffling and duffling. And then he just went, look, take your finger out of my ass and stop playing. I'm not playing, and that ain't my finger. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So he is stick my dick in the mashed potato off of B Boys Make with the Freak Freak, which nice. I was like, that's astounding. That so I was just yeah, I was just so sort of like overwhelmed when I heard that. I nearly put that album on during the week. I was trying to find something. I wasn't quite yeah. in the mood for anything in the car. And you I was were like, sensing the... what can I yeah. put on if I'm not in the mood for anything? Oh, Beastie Boys always work. It does. It does. In fairness. So um, I was going to do a quick my own ask welcome to horror. Oh, yes. because it's the tribute to Sid Haig. Sid Haig. Yeah. Who? What is your top three Sid Haig films, both of you? 
probably Spider Baby. Oh, we we've got a cover. We have got to do Galaxy of Terror one day. Yes. Um, not. I'm not suggesting it's even the best film he's been in, but quite by a long chalk. But <laughs> I do love the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, definitely. I. I mean, I know probably with you, Lee, it's House of a Thousand Corpses. I was going to say, it's like, Devil's Rejects, it, just because you get mm, more Sid yes, but you're than not anything else. I, it's no. So there's something about as we've discussed many times on the show. I don't like watching brutality, mm. particularly. In House of a Thousand Corpses, because it's so over the top and it's the way it's shot, the whole and everything, style, it, yeah, yeah, it mm. doesn't feel like it. And then uh, sort of Devil's, brightly lit and comic comic mm. strip almost. Yeah. But Devil's Rejects is very it takes realistic. Takes all of that out, and yeah. it's very raw and it's very real. And I, yeah, I didn't like it for that reason. I just felt it was too. Uh, and I've still not seen um, uh, Three from Hell. Yeah, I have not. I haven't said the one that I really want to see of his. Um, is High on the Hog, which is the one that he did with Tony Wash, which yes. is now out on Amazon Prime, only in the States, which is oh, why I'm having shame. trouble trying to track down it. The, um, I'll tell you what, actually, there's, I still, I can't remember what it's bloody called, but he he's done a film where he's the leader of a cult who worship a poisonous hyena. And I so badly want to see that. And wow. I think did I you say poisonous hyena. Yeah, it's like it's like something to do with like I think it's something to do with they get high off the hyena or something. That sounds like a Sid Haig movie. Yeah, and and they get high off the pig as well. High on the hog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's the follow up. <laughs> the hyena was just such a prick to work with that they were like, right, let's get. I know a really nice pig. Now that's a film I need to rewatch. Hyenas. Yeah. Uh, which we saw yeah. at um, Gore Zone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that for bloody years. With uh, the amazing Krista Campbell. Yeah, the only time I've ever been starstruck and turned into a gibbering idiot. That was very sweet, though. Uh, she just caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, Where I wanted to, when I, I felt bad when Emily Booth was nice to me. <laughs> I was like, you don't have to be nice to me. I'm a dickhead. You know, I'm like, no, I genuinely was like, she was like, sort of like, oh hi, and I was like, no, you know, just you know, stay off duty, mate. You don't have to be nice to me. I'm all right. You know, so. I'm full of energy drink and uh... <laughs> you, you, nothing else after that energy drink. I remember. Well, I can't remember what film it was, but I think that you did not see the end. No, because that was a that was a moment and a half where you just chained monster for like best part of, at that point five hours I think yeah. it was and yeah <laughs> the uh, so we went to Gorefest which was a fantastic sorry to do wander still, off of do your, they still make Gorefest uh, not that I'm aware of no I don't think they do um, at the Prince Charles Theatre in Leicester Square it was fantastic two days of, of fantastic movies uh, Adam and I went we mentioned it last week because I watched Blood Night which premiered oh, there yeah, as well yeah um but it was sponsored by Monster Energy Drink. So the ledge all the way around the waiting area was just full Ooh. of free cans <laughs> of Monster. So, of course, every time you'd come out of a film, Got to have another monster. you'd have a beer, you'd take another can of Monster mm-hmm. in there in a different flavour. And they had the, the fridges in the in the cinema as yeah. well. Like They had like the, the what, you know, the ones that looked like the can. Yeah, they had like four of them at the back, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And it was so, all free. Yeah. 
So every time you is had this, a beer, is this what got you started on your monster addiction? I think it this is. Was it it they worked. Gave away the yeah. Free so like, there you go. So they gave yeah. away. They gave me, you know, probably eight free cans yeah. over that weekend, and now I'm, a, a, you know, addicted. Um, but yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. but yes, I think no, I think top three. Oh, and I mean, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, he's not in again. He doesn't have a major role in it, but thx one one three eight. Uh, is brilliant. You mentioned that on episode. And he and he is great in it as well. But I think in like yeah, I I'm gonna go yeah, I'm gonna go probably Devil's Rejects, Spider Baby, Galaxy of Terror, because his character in Galaxy of Terror is great as well, because mm. he's like the knife man. So yeah. Gal- Galaxy of Terror, can I just say, is like um if a thirteen year old wrote Event Horizon. <laughs> Isn't it um, John Carpenter? No, 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 no. It's um, I can't remember who it is who directed it. I, th- I think Thingy's in it. I think the guy, I think Dr. Klopek's in it. I might be wrong. Uh, Robert Englund's in it. So is it a lot of silliness? It's Sorry, which one are you on about now? Galaxy of Terror. Oh, Galaxy of Terror. Oh, yeah, I thought you were on about the other one still. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, no, Galaxy of Terror... Uh, oh no, THX one one three eight. George Lucas. George Lucas. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his pre-Star Wars film, mm. which actually is pro- not. Uh, before anyone complains, I'm not saying I'm not one of those people who says that Star Wars is not proper sci-fi, <laughs> but it is like it's proper hard sci-fi. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Where mm. it's like sort of oh no, this it's is not going to appeal yeah. to the masses. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not knights with laser swords. Mm. You know, or sort of you know, there's no wizards. Yeah. Stuff. Star it's, Crash. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Galaxy of Terror kind of is. But yeah, that's basically that's one of the films basically the film's premise is they end up on a planet and it's haunted but by ghosts of aliens. Which is like mm. you've laid that on with a trowel. Yeah. I watched it I watched it one more I watched it with Ted, I think. Um Thingy's in it as well. Um uh Richie uh Richie Cunningham's sister, Joni. Oh yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, Erin Moran. Moran, Moran, uh, yeah, she's in it, and just yeah, there's a bit ghosts on Mars, isn't it? Really? It, it's oh, it goes beyond that. There's giant slug monsters. There's a hive, and just, just it's bizarre. It really is. It's, seriously, that's why that's why I, de- I do need to show you. What makes it attack. different for them to be the ghosts of those things and not just those things? I know. That is no what, need for that, it. It's it is really over egg in the pudding. It's like you could have had ghosts, you could have had aliens. Now you've got ghosts of aliens, yeah. so it's aliens where we don't know what their reality is, yeah. and they can do supernatural shit. So we don't know if that was what they did yeah. anyway. You know, maybe they could walk through walls. They could be aliens, but no, apparently, yeah. And yeah, it's like, yeah. It's just so, so, so you've given special abilities to things we didn't know what their what abilities were in the first yeah. place. <laughs> wow, you know. It's oh God, I'm definitely watching this tomorrow. Oh, seriously, it's. I tell you what, it's a bloody entertaining. And and everyone's quite like everyone's got quite a good part, and it's not one of those ones where you watch it and it's like. Oh yeah, I've just seen the back of Robert Englund's head. Robert Englund has lines and he's a character, and so does Sid Haig, and so does everyone. You know, everyone's got like a role in it. Nice, um, definitely. Yeah. check that. Out. I can't believe I got THS confused with John Carpenter instead of George Lucas. What? Berlin. No, you. I no right. longer deserve to be on this podcast. Um, yeah, so mine are going to be two of films I've watched, and one is a fil- watch film that I haven't actually seen yet, but it's definitely going on my list. Um, yeah, so mine are going to be 
House of a Thousand Corpses, this, and then High on the Hog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the trailer just looks fantastic. Um, yeah, and I've been waiting for it to come out for so long. So I'm going to put that on my list of the, my favourite films that he's in because I'm sure it's going to be one of my favourite films that he's in. That's a, that's a good enough reason. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Excellent. Oh yeah, that's the other person, isn't it? Grace Zabriskie, uh Laura Palmer's mum. Oh yes, yeah. She mentioned earlier. Yeah, she's bloody good in it. Well, oh, she's really? bloody good in everything. But yeah, she's bloody good in that. Oh, and the guy who I thought was Doctor Klopek is not this guy called Ray Walston, but he's in tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of shit. <laughs> um, excellent. Right. So let's wrap it up there as time is getting on and the smell of my shoes is filling this room. Um, for the benefit of listeners, my shoes have got wet and now the whole room smells like damp grass. It's revolting. Um, I thought it was dead cooked cat. Mm. <laughs> no, it was a cat there, wasn't it? One last thing. It was the cat, cat that he was eyeing. Yes. yes. In, in conclusion. In conclusion. In conclusion, how many dumb waiters do you give it? Chris, out of five. <laughs> Six. There's a lot of dumb waiter actually. Six dumb waiters out of five. <laughs> I, 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 I see your six and I raise you six. <laughs> um, so for our next episode, we're going to do a film that I have been literally screaming at empty rooms about <laughs> since I saw it. That's um, going to be a good one, folks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mentioned it briefly previously. So uh, the Jordan Peele movie, Us. Um, for the record you like Jordan Peele I like Jordan Peele I will discuss that on the episode. I think he's fantastic um, I loved the Twilight Zone stuff he did with the exception of one episode um, and I liked a lot of this movie which is why I was so utterly angry um, when the twist happens and the entire thing falls apart um, so for this one I know we always say that we do spoilers and then we don't normally actually do spoilers um, because we don't generally go through the plot scene by scene. No. Um, but for this one, there will be heavy, heavy spoilers um, because I'm going to spoil this film because it deserves it. I've got this <coughs> terrible think... feeling that I'm just going to be like butters at the end of that episode about Star Wars, like with George Lucas raping a stormtrooper on <coughs> South Park. <coughs> I kind of liked it. <laughs> So, this is the thing. I wanted someone to rant with. Yeah. So I got my friend at work. I've been going on at him because he loved Get Out. Yeah. I've been going on at him for months to watch this film. Hi, Manny, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> and then he sent me a message from Malaysia when he landed and went, just watched us on a plane. It's all right. Don't know what you're on about. And I was like... You, you know he hated it and he was just winding you up. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I got there and I started ranting about all the things, he was like, oh, yeah, but... And I was like, no, no, not me. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be very angry on the next episode. Um, see, see I, w- I wonder with this as well, is, is this this could be... I never had a problem with Heat until Dean had a problem with Heat, the film. Oh, really? And then I can't, I can't now watch Heat, not because I agree with him necessarily, but I just can't formulate an argument to care enough back. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, sort of, I think... That's fair enough, mate. You hate it that, that strongly. Yeah, oh, fair. No, he hated it. Oh, no, he's... Don't... He, actually, do, because it's, it's... It's incredible, because it's like... He goes off on one, and I'm like... Do you know what? I can't think of any defence. And it's not that it's a bad film, or I don't like it. It was just... I don't feel passionately enough to, like, have come back to him about it in any way, shape, or form. It's like... Yeah, I watched it. It was all right. But not in any sort of, yeah. I had a bit of a meltdown uh, in public (laughs) recently. (laughs) 
Um, uh, we were at a beer festival. We were, we were on our first pint as well, so I wasn't drunk. It was literally our first pint. Uh, somebody brought up the Harry Potter movies and we were discussing them. Mm. And then they brought up the um, Fantastic Beasts oh, um, and went films. And I lost my shit, uh, unfortunately. Was that just because of Eddie Redmayne? In a comedy... I, the, oh, I just... I slapped the grin out of his face. Is he the main guy? Yeah. Right. He's the one who looks like someone's put googly eyes on a penis. That man <laughs> has got no shape to his face. There's something wrong with this. And, <laughs> and yeah. the worst thing is, his character name, that isn't a character name. You don't keep that name in. That's a placeholder in a script that you've written at night when you're drunk. You would never leave such a ridiculous What's name. What's I can't remember now. All right. Now you've said that. Oh, it's uh, Newt Scamander. Nobody's called fucking Newt Scamander. What? No. Unless you were a commander of Newts. And someone said it in a bit of an accent. Don't get me wrong. Like If this was something about people from space, maybe that's a stupid space name from Galaxy of Terror. You could get away with that. But you can't get away with it in the Harry Potter universe where people have normal names like Harry fucking Potter. But anyway, so. um, But yeah, apparently I was ranting so loud they could hear me from the toilet. (laughs) So so you won't get into that. Um, But yeah, so. I think we have. But definitely go and watch us, and don't go and watch Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, unless you want to see a man who looks like a snake pretending to be a man. Which is... Yeah, and uh, we, so we will see you in a fortnight's time, uh, and you can literally see us in a fortnight's time, yes. as this will be the first of our video episodes. Yeah. Um, so you can see just, oh no, I'm going to get really angry on video. Excited People have stuff. never seen me before, and now they're going to see my face when I get really, really angry. You smile a lot when you're angry. Yeah. No, he goes green and all his clothes fall off. <laughs> <laughs> I do smile a lot when I'm angry because I try to mask my anger, <laughs> and I try to mask it behind a smile, but it doesn't work. Um, oh, oh, I can't wait for this episode. It's going to be so much fun. Right, so we will see you in a fortnight's time for us. Okay. Uh, please go and watch it, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, this is going to be a mess.